I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, who are proven to be purer than cotton wool and water and now biodegradable. From fertility to birth, pandemic parenting to taking care of ourselves, here we talk to women about their own unique experiences of motherhood. The insane joy and anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, the tears, and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum, from that first nappy change to those messy weaning months, water wipes, the world's purest baby wipes. Made here in Ireland, water wipes are now 100% biodegradable and compostable wipes. With the same purity and quality as before, they are ideal for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. As the number one wipe in Ireland, together we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. It's 2021, we're still at home, but we are back to help with 10 more episodes with 10 incredible women over the next 10 weeks. To kick off season four, we have a story with a very happy ending, as broadcaster and mum of three, Suzanne Kane talks to us about Sadie, her 2020 rainbow baby. In December, 2019, Suzanne heard those words she never expected to hear. There is no heartbeat. Bruised with sadness, she did what many of us do. She put on a brave face, suppressed all that emotion, pretended it didn't happen and didn't dare to dream for another chance. But in the midst of all that went wrong in 2020, something went very, very right. And as Suzanne explains, Sadie, the measure of her dreams, was born. Here in Suzanne's very warm, honest and witty way, we talk about how she felt through her grief and her joy, her pandemic pregnancy and birth, and the love upon meeting her gorgeous girl at the end of her rainbow. If you've experienced miscarriage and need to talk, You'll find links to incredible support services in our show notes. Suzanne Kane, thank you so much for joining on Everyone the Podcast. I wish to God we were actually sitting down person to person with a cup of coffee and having these conversations. But in a weird twist of fate, this year, you have become a huge sense of, of, of or source of support for me um, as we both progress towards meeting our two new little girls. And your story, I'm so proud to be able to share it here to these listeners um, because it is a huge ray of, of glow in what could be a really tough year. Um, but it also has been. Let's not under underestimate the pandemic pregnancy that was. Oh, no one likes a pandemic pregnancy. No one likes a pandemic pregnancy. But yeah, we we weirdly, I don't know how we found each other, but um we've had some pretty for for two humans who have never, you know, really crossed paths. Um we've had like those moments where you've been in, in the bath imminently due your baby um now it was obviously via text um I wasn't sitting on the toilet beside you <laughs> but you were saging and you had no idea that Juliet was imminently because I think at that stage you were like maybe 10 days due, like you were due in like 10 days yeah right what five? it was really close yeah. all I remember is constantly needing loop the loops I, so this is we we bonded over ice pops um, mm. and then you were really kind because then obviously Juliet arrived into the world and then the supply of loop-de-loops was better for me 
Um, I'm good like that. I'm good. I'm, I give back. Yeah. Give back. And I needed it at that time. But yeah, um, it has been, I think, you know, for, for any woman who has found out that they're pregnant in this pandemic and that they're given birth in a pandemic or now they're on that journey, it has been, it's been quite the year because you and I have spoke at length about the anxiety that that brings, um, the fear that that brings, but ultimately, which you found out in October and I found out in December is the ultimate joy that that brings, you know? I think you've you found you found that out and kind of passed the word along. For me, it was, uh, it was I, I held her last. It was just last night I held her. I was just, and I looked at her and I just thought to myself, I wish I had known that it was going to be you. And it would have melted away all of those fears, all of those worries, all of those anxieties, all of those unknowns, and all of those fears became so loud, I think, for a lot of us, and still are for a lot mm. of women, as we're now in the depths of a third wave. Um, but I suppose for me, on the other side of it, had I known that she was the end game, <laughs> had I known that she was the prize in all of that, I would have sailed through 2020. Yeah, because we, we spoke about this and <clears throat> it's funny that you say that about Jay because I said, literally, I think I said to you like two days ago, Sadie is quite literally the measure of my dreams. She, exactly that. And I suppose for any expectant mom that's listening or dad is that that end goal will push all of that so far away. But that doesn't take from the the immediacy of of being in a pandemic and the unknown and like I know that that was the bit that I struggled with was that I I very much like to plan how why when where who like so you know how will I go into labor where will I go into labor when will I go into labor you know how long will I be on my own and that part of Joey my husband leaving me in the car park and me taking my labor bag and walking into the coom by myself and the unknown of how long it would take for him to be beside me. I really struggled with that. Like I knew from having two other kids that in terms of labor, I would be okay. I know how incredible midwives are. I know my consultant, she delivered my two other children. So I know all of that. And I felt very lucky having that as a comfort because I knew those things but it was the, the framework around that, which I think is the part where you're most vulnerable, going into labor and having to, to make that, that journey by yourself into hospital and not knowing when your person is going to be with you. I think that's a very vulnerable time for women. And, you know, as it stands, as you say, we're in a third wave. So that continues, you know, going through the scans and going through my appointments, it got to a point that, Joey, I used to drive by myself and then Joey ended up just driving with me because I just needed him in the car. You know, for no other reason, just to have him there because it, I just was craving him coming through those doors with me, you know? Um, so I, I really struggled in the run-up, but I kind of felt a bit <clears throat> like a fraud because I was going in to have my third baby. So I should be the elder lemon and has done it all before. <laughs> Um, but I, I ended up, you know, and you and I had, had, had chats at length and I kind of felt very lucky that you'd gone and taken that team out in October and you were like, do you know what? 
and actually like I remember because you, you went off Instagram for like a couple of hours and we had spoken quite a lot and I remember going oh. where's she gone <laughs> she was saging in the <laughs> Um, so I felt very fortunate and I think that that's the biggest thing for women to know is that, you know, you will be supported whatever your labor journey is and whatever that journey in the hospital is, you will be supported and it will like, you know, it will be okay. And, you know, as, as we've both said, we're very lucky with the outcome um, with our with our little girls, but for the women who travel alone for the really hard times, you know, I hope ultimately somewhere that we have a support system in place for those women because they will need it. I think we all will for what we've gone through in terms of this pandemic. But, you know, I think everybody's been on a very different journey. And you and I both know that pregnancy, conception, having babies throws up you know, it's I. Yeah, you know, I just used to think you looked at a guy, not <laughs> pregnant. I was once told by a nun that a tablespoon of semen populates all of Africa. So I was like, if it goes back to Africa, what's it going to do to me? You gotta love our sexual education. I got none. I used to think you could get yeah. pregnant in a swimming pool. The day that Juliet was born was also the day that the episode with. Sinead Hingston came out where we discussed her lockdown loss and she spoke so amazingly in that episode around how it how it felt and how she experienced it alone yeah and so I knew that was you know that's coming out that was being released literally like Juliet was born at 7 a.m and that episode came out at like 9 a.m and I was in Hollis Street the center of which was where she told this story from and I felt it I felt it the gratitude the appreciation the the looking around the feeling of deep 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 appreciation for what I was holding but for what is also happening in other rooms in this building Mm. and that was really powerful and even walking you know taking Juliet home and walking past the neonatal unit and thinking of those parents in there and all that comes with it. And like, all we want is for our babies to be well and healthy and to take them home. And it's that moment when they're born is just so intense. The emotion, the release, everything. And the gratitude. Massive, massive gratitude. And, that, and that's why I say that Sadie is 100%. And that doesn't take from Ushin or Hannah, my other two kids, but Sadie is 100% the measure of my dreams. I never, I, I dared not to wish for her. I, you know, I just couldn't allow myself to wish for her because it felt like that wish was too much. So now I hold her and I watch her sleep and I absorb and we've talked about this, this newborn bubble and the time going too fast. But, you know, I, I just look at her and I'm so grateful to have her, but I am so grateful to her. Mm. So grateful to her. I'm so grateful that she picked us, she picked me and that she's ours, you know, because like, as I say, she is quite literally 
the measure of my dreams, you know? So I feel very lucky. I'm so grateful that our girls picked now because it would have been a very dark year. This year, like, honestly, it's had it, it's, it, it really had it all. I had a miscarriage last December and I had found out I was October. I was pregnant in October and in 2019. Um, so Hannah would have been turning three in November and Oshin would have been turning five. And we weren't planning to have a third baby, but it was never off the cards. And it's one question I get asked a lot about that third baby. And the only thing I ever say, because I think it's a really personal thing, is that if you will regret it, well, then maybe try it. Because to me, I think ultimately I would have regretted not trying. But I didn't want to go back to previous trying pregnancies where it's ovulation sticks and the intensity of that. So we just weren't being careful. Um, And it turns out that tablespoon of sperm isn't, you know, (laughs) quite what the population of Africa that I believed. But anyway... um, Joey texts as he does in the evening and was like, can I get anything in super value? And I was like, went through the list and said, you might pick up a pregnancy test while you're there. Um, and he was like, oh, right. Okay. Um, but at the time, because of the ages that the kids were, I was very much getting back into work. Um, I was talking about going back full time to radio to a point where I was looking at contracts and what my working hours would be and all of those things. Um, so I wasn't a hundred percent sure about having another baby because I felt like I had got myself established again. And like, I'm freelance. I work for myself. I had had a bad experience when I got pregnant on hand. I was made redundant for my radio gig. I was the only person made redundant. They were making cutbacks. There was people on four times my salary, but they took my tiny salary because of cutbacks. Like I was never going to save a company on 25 grand, but you know, hey ho. Um, ironic that isn't it Hmm. Hmm. so you know I didn't have the best mindset about having to go to an employer and say I can do all of this I can be very pregnant and I can turn up for work because I knew I could but I put that aside did the pregnancy test I came in the door I went straight up and did it he stood at the top of the stairs I think Hannah like nearly fell down like it was it was carnage and I walked out and he knew by my face and Joey was like yes Yes. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, I'm talking about going back to radio. And like, it was just, and he was like, as Joey does, Joey's like, we'll figure it. Come on, we'll figure this out. It'll be fine. So over the coming weeks, I was so excited about it, you know. And as it turned out, the job wasn't right for us and our family. So that went out of the way. And then I was like having these lovely conversations about a summer baby and you know because both my babies were born in November and we were going to have a baby in the summer and would it be too hot I might be super pregnant (laughs) so none of the bad stuff creeped in like none of the bad stuff so I had gone to see my gynae um Mary Angleman the Coombe she had done an early scan everything was tip top so we were good and then she said we just come back two weeks just come back and we'll have one quick scan before I hand you over to our your obstetrician so that's Professor Murphy who had delivered the other two other babies so that was fine Joey didn't come to the coom that day because why would he I've done this a million times before and I'm a strong independent woman so off I went 
And as it turned out that day, I was having my scan in the early pregnancy unit in the EPU. And when I was sitting waiting to go in, I became acutely aware of my surroundings. But they were my surroundings, if that makes any sense. They weren't me. Hmm. They were other women and couples going in to receive good or bad news. But that was outside of my bubble of where I was, you know. You were an observer. That was their world. Absolutely. And I became really aware of a couple. And I, can, I will see their face forever. And I could see this woman's face and she was just bereft and she was going in to have a scan and I like, was just so engrossed that I was like oh my god she's having the worst day ever she's having the worst day ever and I wanted to say something like I wanted to say um are you okay mm-hmm. you know but it's so my consultant went down and went in with this couple And you could feel this feeling like, you know, and my consultant came out and she got ready. And at that point I text Joey and was like, I didn't think this through. I'm alone. And he was like, I'll jump in the car, I'll jump in the car. And I went, no, 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 it'll be fine. But I was caught with this, what I was watching, Mm -hmm. what I was observing. I had no idea. The next 10 minutes, everything was about to change. And as we walked in, I had a conversation with my consultant going, oh God, you know, and obviously she's not going to say, oh, this is, you know, private. She'll go, you know. So she said, I'm going to do a TV, a transvaginal. She said, because I just want to make sure sizes and my dates are a bit off. That was fine. So anyway, I got and I'm chatting away and, you know, cracking gags. (laughs) And, uh, so you could, she scanned and scanned and she just looked and she was just like, Suzanne, you know, this is, it's, it's just not looking good. And I was like, you know, am I further along? Or, and she was like, there's no heartbeat. And from that, I, like from this year, I've learned a lot about the language that's used. And it's very clear language, you know, because it has to be very clear language. Because in my case, I just asked her, could she try again? You know, maybe the sound wasn't turned up or, you know, she knew. Just tried again. But she showed me on the screen, you know, like it was very clear. There was like a trail um, across the screen. And I had been bleeding on and off, but I had bled little bits you know, on both of my other pregnancies. So to me, I was like, it's just taking that, that, you know, kind of settling and mm. maybe it's twins, you know. Mm. Um, so she took, took a picture, asked me, did I want it? And that's still in the same place in, in the kitchen. It, it's just stayed there. I don't know what I want to do with it yet because it, it's there, but it, it's, it'll stay there for the minute. But, uh, and I left the coom and she was like, do you want me to ring Joey or what can I, and I was like, no, 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 I'm, 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 I'm cool. So it was decided that I needed to have an ERPC to have the, the fetus removed, the baby removed. Um, 
and that I was going to, she was going to do that in two days time because it was really close to Christmas. If I hemorrhaged, she's like, if two kids, you don't need to be coming in here on Christmas day with a hemorrhage. So, you know, let's, we'll do this. And she was like, I just don't think you're going to pass this yourself. Mm. So I was like, okay. I think she was just sparing me. The heartbreak was there, but the utter heartbreak of, of trying to start it myself and taking that tablet and doing all those things. So that was fine. Booked in and walked across the road to the coom and I had to ring Joey, who's not expecting this news. And um, to me, tell him that I failed because that's what it felt like. It felt like I got all the way to just that bit where we think, oh, you get to 12 weeks and everything's okay. And I just nearly just got there. And I had guilt for that, the fact that I had said, get a pregnancy test that's not pregnant. And that I had talked about my career and put all of those things in front of this pregnancy. And then I allowed myself the happiness to think about the summer and holding this baby. And that I would be too warm. And that they would be in a little romper and that I would have to get a sun canopy. And I, I was, how stupid was I that I allowed myself those thoughts, you know, cause that's not the way it always plays out. Um, so I rang him. That's the cheat. That's the thing. That's the, you know, you, you let yourself believe. And I think as women, you fall in love instantly and maybe not with you know whatever that that this person is going to be but you fall in love with the experiences that you expect to have that's that is exactly what it is and the idea of Hannah being a big sister and Oshin being you know a big brother to two and how lucky we were we didn't try I didn't have to go down this ovulation road I didn't it was, it was meant, to, this baby was meant to be. And the night before I went in, it was December and we had to do a Smith's run. So we did that. I didn't have a night dress. I had to go to Dunn's and that was our date night. And a few times Joey was like, do you want it? And I'm like, no, no, no. And I didn't want anything different for the kids. So Joey brought the kids to school and to crash and my best pal drove me to the hospital. And she, I got into the car and she had a hot water bottle in the car oh, bless. and a blanket. And she's like, you're okay, buddy. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you're not going to be, but you know, and I went, yeah. So we drove and she was like, do you want me to come in with you? And I was like, no, 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 no. So I went in and my sister and I was a midwife and she was coming off nights and she texted going, well, I just popped in and say hi. And I was sitting in a four bedroom in pitch black with my coat on and I wouldn't take my coat off. Like they'd left my gown on the bed and I was like, I'm not taking my coat off because the minute I take my coat off, this means it starts. So I sat on my coat on and I can still hear her feet, you know, like the rubber soles. Mm. I can still hear her feet in the, the darkness of it and walking in and she was like, Suzanne, why are you? She's like, come on. So she stayed with me. And, and I, I've, I've spoke about it before. The one thing that struck me about being in the coom was the kindness but that every single person acknowledged the loss they all said I'm so sorry for your loss and I'm so sorry why you're with us today and I suppose more more than ever we talk about the shame 
that women have experienced about pregnancy and the feelings we feel about infant loss and our bodies and all of those things. So for me, I said to Claire, I was like, I almost want them not to be nice so I could give out to somebody for being unkind, you know? Yeah. And she was like, bring your pillow with you when we were going to theatre. And I was like, I should bring a pillow. So I had like my pillow with me going down to theatre and I'm sitting there and there's a woman across from me. And they have to go through all of those conversations. They're like 11 plus two, you know, what, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then they, they look at you and then you go in. And I remember the two things that when I was having the operation was one, I said to the anesthetist, well, I definitely go to sleep. He's like, oh yeah. Now you sure? Cause I don't want to wake up. You know, and he was like, no, no. And then I was, but I'll definitely wake up after it. Cause I have two kids at home. And he was like, you'll definitely wake up. And my consultant walked into the room and my last thought as I was going asleep was, I don't, please don't take it out. Just leave it there. Like I just, that overwhelming motherly instinct to protect something that I just, I was like, I, I felt so much like a failure for not being able to even miscarry by myself that I had to go in and have this baby taken out of me. It felt like the ultimate betrayal. Like it really did. And everywhere was so Christmassy. Like, Sinead, I can't tell you for the tinsel and the glitter. Like, there was like little thing, little hats on trees for infant loss. There was glitter garlands all the way along. I remember like coming back from the theater and it like all going above my head. But the difference was where we are now and where we are there was that your husband could come to the hospital. Yeah. So as I opened my eyes, as I was rolled back into the room, I looked and Joey's like, I'm here. And I was like, I didn't realize I needed you as much as I did till right now, but oh my God, I need you. And he was like, we're okay. We're okay. And we'll be okay. And we left the hospital and I got into bed and I slept. And that was the 18th of December. And on the 19th of December, it was Christmas. And I remember just going, I cannot allow the thought of this to come into my head because it felt, I felt so sad. Like, but I felt like I had no right to be sad because I had two beautiful, healthy children. I know so many women who struggle to even get a positive pregnancy test. How dare I? be sad because I can't have my third kid like so it went it just literally I'm not even I'm not even dealing with it I look back at pictures of Christmas I'm like a mental Stepford wife tartan skirt red polo neck we're having a wonderful time and I'm drinking Prosecco and you know the kids every it was just this ultimate coping mechanism for getting there it was survival and we do you know what as women that's our thing isn't it that's what survival. we do yeah if you allowed yourself to even feel one percent of the pain mm. you wouldn't come back no it and was, i knew that yeah it would just you'd you'd fall into it and yeah. it would be too hard it was easier to stay braced and in survival mode than to pull yourself out yeah 100 percent. so we went 
into January, I spoke about it. I, got, I was on the radio talking about something completely different and it just came up. And I talked about it and I got off the radio and rang Joey leaving today FM and I was like, just a heads up, I may have mentioned the miscarriage there on the radio. And he was like, are you okay? Because he knows what I'm like. So he's like, are you okay? And I went, yeah, kind of came up and it was Mario, it was Mario Rosa talking. I know Mario very well and I felt really comfortable. And he was like, okay. Because he knew that was so far from where I was in my head. Mm. And then I put it back in the box and that was done. And February was just so sad because it felt like it greeted me everywhere I went. And it wasn't that because I found out anybody was pregnant or we were trying because I wouldn't dare try. It was because I was trying to suppress something that I needed to just say, I'm really sad. And I said to Joey, as lockdown started and the, the, intensity of all of that I'd had a few glasses of wine and he said are you okay and I went no and he was like what's going on and I said to him I'm really really sad I really really wanted that baby and now I can't have it and he was like okay so he was like we'll just see what happens and I was like yeah and he was like do you want and I went I don't want to try I don't want to put myself because I can't deal. I knew if I had tried and had a pregnancy test that said not pregnant, it would have just Mm. smashed me. So I was like, I don't want to try. He's like, okay. But the universe had very different plans. As it often does. As it often does. So on a very sunny day, in April. So my periods had just been all over the place from the miscarriage. And we were in lockdown. You couldn't go anywhere. So I went to the chemist and bought pads and a pregnancy test. Either so or, just in case. I was like, I mean, hopefully one of them will be good. If it's not. But also, we don't know when we're going to get into, into a pharmacy again. So cover all bases. Yeah. So I came home, got in. And I left the pregnancy test there because I just, I was like, I'll wait, I'll wait and see. So then the morning time, the kids were down having breakfast and I went upstairs and I filmed it on my phone because I wanted Joey to be there for me not being able to cope with it saying not pregnant. So I felt weird that if I recorded it, that he was with me, that I, you know, that I had, it was just, I wasn't what I was expecting, but I was bracing myself for it. And I was like, I'm not messing around with lines. It has to clearly say not pregnant. <laughs> I want words. I don't want to be looking going, is, is, yeah. it, is it or isn't it? Is it yeah. my press down on it? Will it be if you look at it in this light. Yeah. <laughs> if I use flash. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. I have done that in previous pregnancies that I've gone through the websites that I'm looking at other women's lines going, no, yeah. yes, you are. You're Japanese. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a fatal line. <sighs> so it wasn't messing around. So I left it on the side of the toilet and, and I'm, or in the bath and I'm literally, and 
I actually go, because <gasps> it, it was just clear and it said pregnant. And I, so I, <laughs> I WhatsApp, I WhatsApped it to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I love like on first pregnancies is this like big dramatic emotional oh, yeah. reveal. We're all in the bathroom together. Yeah. And then it's like a WhatsApp message. Yeah. And like six pregnancy tests. I bought one. Yeah. Do you know, I was like with, with getting pregnant on Oshie and I was like, I'll have, can I take um, a first response? I'll take, the, how much are they? 25. Yeah. yeah. Give me three of them. Yeah. Disposable <laughs> income. I don't even know what that is anymore. Um, and he sent me back a message going, I thought you got pads for your period. And I went, well, it's covering all the bases. So he was like, oh my God. And I went and said, so just looked at me and he was like, and I went, just nothing. Don't speak. And he was like, okay. And I went, don't say the words. He's like, okay. I did not say the word pregnant until I was 16 weeks pregnant. Because I kept saying at the beginning, I was like, let's pretend that we're in the phase where we're trying and that the positive test was a positive ovulation test. So let's just call it that. Let me get in for my early scan, which I had to go to alone. I was like, but let's just say that's like a gynae checkup to see, can we have kids? So I just went through all of these first bits of it that nobody knew. And we weren't, I would not for a single second allow the dreams mm. because they were going to bring all of everything. And I feel for every woman that now does those appointments alone, that is bringing in that previous journey and that heartbreak that we bring with us. Because I'd go in for my scans and just be like, I'm not even going there. I won't. And like Mary Angler, and she's like, yeah, everything looks great. And I'll see you again. And then I remember her saying to me, I'm going to pass you over to Deirdre Murphy. Now you're going to go back to your obstetrician and you're going to go have your baby and everything's going to be okay. And I was like, do you really think? And she was like, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident that it's where it should be. And there's a good heartbeat and you're getting along a bit now. So it's time to, you know, to send you over and like that going in for that big anomaly scan by yourself which is huge that was the first time that I allowed myself to realize that I was pregnant now my body very much told me I was pregnant because it did everything that it should have done and I'd had my two babies before so it showed itself very early I felt Sadie moving very early because the other two had left to fully basically a condo there do you know it wasn't even an apartment it was like she had loads of space to move around and like that was the first time for the anomaly scan that I went oh I just wish Joey was here I just wanted him so then he would just come in the car to come to the appointments not come in just come and sit in the car and I was brought in to be induced on the 3rd of December and Sadie was born at a minute past eight. I, like, Sinead, I, ca I can't even tell you about, like, words don't describe that, that minute, right? Because all of the heartbreak and all of the joy, it's like they both met and Joey and I exploded, like, 
it, it not to take from Hannah or Oshin's birth, but everything. It was like all of our dreams. It's like imagine someone just handing you your dream, you know, and that and like that's what it was. It was like everything that I dared not wish for had arrived into the world, and the sadness that I felt was allowed. And Joey the same because he lost his baby as well. It wasn't just me. He lost, he had his grief and his loss about the baby. So they it's like those two worlds collided in the coom that night that I was allowed to say, I'm so sorry I never met you, baby, but thank you for giving me this baby. Thank you to Sadie for choosing us because that's what it felt like in that moment that we acknowledged the loss and we embraced the happiness of the future that Sadie had just given us in like the minute you know um suppressed emotion can only be held back for so long yeah I think everything was so heightened so heightened but also the restriction to let ourselves feel anything this year has been also so tight. And doesn't that come with, with every part of our lives? Because that's my story and my journey, but every, no matter how straightforward or not straightforward it's been for anybody this year, there is, there is just so much emotion entwined in it. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said it, we, Pregnant women have been robbed of so many amazing moments, do you know? And yet we just naturally, we just forge ahead, you know? And as you say, like the, the suppression and so many women have been through, through so much so that even the good outcome that when you get to hold your baby, but I think of every woman who didn't, get to hold her baby as you exactly as you said because you know a couple of hours after Sadie was born a little baby passed away in the coom and you could feel you could feel that you know the staff wanted to wrap that family in all of their love and they did everything they could and I think the women were aware that we wanted, like, I don't know who that woman was. I don't know who that baby was, but I will always remember that baby. Always. You know? Um, and we will need support. You know, everybody will need support after we come out of this pandemic. But I think women will definitely need support to talk through their births and talk through their, their pregnancies. I think there is going to be an avalanche. <gasps> And, and we talk about waves at the moment. There's, there's, <laughs> this is my fear is the absence of connection, the absence of talking, the absence of sitting down eye to eye, reading body language. And you know when you're in the company of those people that you can't hide it from? You know, it's so simple to write, I'm fine in a text. And it's so simple to publish a highlight. You know, it's also, your partner is phenomenal and he's brilliant. If you're going through stuff, they also try to minimize. 
and protect and avoid I don't want to say confrontation, but avoid the conversations that might in the short term cause you harm, but in the long term save you. Absolutely. You need your women. You need, and not even the women that you've known in your past. You need the women that are right there with you now. You need the women that are having the fears that you're having right now. You need to have the conversations and make those connections with all of the, like, that's the reason those mum and baby groups exist it's not to give us something to do at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday, although that, that is handy. <laughs> helps. Helps. But it's actually the enormous weight that gets lifted when you just talk to somebody who is totally with you where you're at. We, we've spoken about this and I know you had put stuff up on your Instagram account, but it's finding the people who get you. Hmm. And finding, like, you could have the best friends and best family in the world. But then you find somebody who's on that same journey as you, or maybe they're having that day that you had three days ago. Yeah. And they validate that that's okay. Mm. You know? And the anonymity of a pandemic is frightening because I miss my mom because I can't hug her and she can't be here and she can't see Sadie growing and she can't do any of those things. And I miss my pals and I miss that part of my life. But also I miss being able, exactly as you say, of sitting in front of someone and someone knowing by looking at you, that you're not all right that day. That's not to say you're not going to be okay the next day. Mm. But just somebody validating that that's okay. And I think going through a pandemic is hard enough. I think bringing your body through a pandemic, especially right now, we need to be so kind to ourselves because we don't have the person who would usually eyeball us and hand us the kindness. And hand us the laughs. Oh, Jesus, you, know? you need to laugh. Like, you I like have conversations three o'clock in the morning and I'm like, <laughs> oh, thank God you're here. <laughs> I, you, need, you need to have that punami in public and <laughs> someone just... You know, when you're, you're in the full depths of the mom sweats. Oh, they're wonderful. And the buggy will not open if there's an audience ever. <clears throat> and you're reefing it out of the boot. And you look like you don't have a clue what you're doing. And then just somebody else that you've never met in that car park is doing exactly the same thing. And they look at you and you just have a moment of, oh, thank God. <laughs> thank We're okay. God. We're okay. We're okay. And, you know, it's never perfect. And nobody knows what they're doing, ever. No. Even as you, you're on your third, I'm on my second. I don't know what I'm doing. Not a chance. Not a hope. They tell us. They're in charge. their lead. Like, Sadie's six weeks on this earth. She's like, and then my four-year-old's leading the charge. Yeah. You know, and then my six-year-old is not going to school because there's a pandemic. There are days when it's mayhem and it's but it's it's manageable 
And there are days when you do feel like something is going to crack. And I think that that's, that's what I'm missing most. I'm missing most talking to people who are right in that crack yeah. <laughs> with you. And if, and I, but I, 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 I feel, and I was asked this question the other day about, do I feel robbed of the maternity leave that I thought I would have? And you know what? I, in one way I don't, because in truth, I was much more lonely on my first than I am now. And it is a very lonely place if you are a mum at home with only your baby who is not responding. There's no conversation. There's no chat back. And yes, I would kill for an hour of quiet in this house right now. Um, but I wouldn't. It, it's those first time mums who are at home who haven't made the connections with other mothers yet. No. You know, yes, they have their back catalogue of friends, but they're all on different places right now. You know, I have made much stronger relationships with women since my daughter three years ago. I also have learned how to make new friends as a result. I think as adults, we're so bad at making Awful. friends. Like you have your friends from school and then it's like three decades go by and you don't speak to another human unless you're paid to be in the same room as them. Um becoming a mom you learn how to make new friends and you learn that actually somebody you met last week actually could be your lifeline for the next year and that that's okay and it becomes this sort of tinder for for lonely hormonal women and that's that's a lesson that I am very grateful that I learned a few years ago and if anyone is in that boat right now I would say learn it right now like don't be afraid to say something to a stranger. Don't be afraid to message somebody else who you might see on Instagram who's going through something like you are. You know, don't stay alone. No. And the phrase, it takes a village. I think right now more than ever, you have to build your village. And be realistic about your expectation of that. Yeah, the village doesn't come knocking. No. It doesn't come in an Amazon delivery like everything else everything to the door yeah. right now. Um, it has to be built and that takes a lot of vulnerability and I'm just grateful that I'm not in that place but I'm so mindful of everyone that is yeah it, it's it, vulnerability is 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 something that I became acutely aware of this year the pandemic has taught me the double-edged sword of vulnerability that I have always feared I have I fear vulnerability I um I just didn't allow it to be part of the fabric of my makeup, to be perfectly honest. Um, but actually, I've learned that it is one of my greatest strengths. You know, and I think exactly as you said, you put up a post a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of days ago, about packing that bag for the hospital. And I guarantee you on Instagram, you were asked about a million questions about your maternity bag, as was I. And I was, people were like, will you put up a post to what you got your maternity bag? And like, I cheated with my maternity bag. I was sent it through a press gift. It was from Olive. They put it all together for me and it was grand. But the biggest thing that I took from that post, which I think every woman needs to know, if we put as much effort into packing our maternity bag that we did after we gave birth, we would all be in a much better state, but we don't. We have our pajamas, we have our knickers, we have our concealer, we have all of those things. 
and then we get home from the hospital and that beautiful bubble and whether like I definitely after I had Oshin did not have the baby blues I had the baby navies but I wasn't postnatally depressed so somewhere in between Sadie gave me the most incredible euphoric fully oxytocin beautiful feeling but that's still you will still look at your husband two weeks or your partner over the dishwasher two weeks after that baby is born and you will look at each other and be like I'm really tired and he'll go the bowls don't go there and I'll go you pack it then okay because then you and then you both have a moment that you only get on your second or your third baby you do not have that on your first to go this is sleep deprivation mm. this is intensity of having a new baby I remember on Oshin Joey coming in from work and picking up a bottle and was like is that clean I swear to god he oh. inserted <laughs> But we did not have the knowledge to know that that's sleep deprivation and that's the roller coaster of having a baby. I didn't know those things. I thought I was the only woman in the world sitting in an apartment, rocking back and forward, going, Oh God, I don't think we'll go out because what if he needs his nappy changed? Oh, I'll have to change him. Where will I change him? Oh no, I don't think we'll go out. Do you know? So the, the, the doomsday scenario things. That oh, they're wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, will, you will go through every step of, putting baby into coat, into buggy and out and back again and everything that could potentially go wrong along the way. And you will destroy your freedom by doing oh, that. Because yeah. you or will just stay the bag put. That needs, like we went out after Sadie was born. I think I threw one nappy and I bottle fed. Threw one nap, or I'm bottle feeding, bottle, a mixer, a nappy, a wipes and threw it in the bag. And Joey just looked and went, can you imagine us doing this on a machine? I was like, oh God, no. Like yeah. if, like I mean, if Ushin had a tiny bit of spit up on him, I was like, full change. Yeah. <laughs> Last night, I, I said he literally just kept puking. We were talking about this about that first, about the phases and the leaps. So, and I know you're saying the same about Jay that like she just literally keeps puking everything back. She's up just puking things. all over. Like, me. what is with the puking, right? So last night, I get her out of one thing, and I swear to this is no word of a lie. By the third change, the baby goes. She puked, and I went to Joey. Do you think we really need to change that one? Like, like that wouldn't have even happened on Ushin. No. Like. If he had have even looked at a baby go wrong and was like, oh, we need to change that. And, you know, it changed his nappy when it wasn't even properly wet, like, you know. But th that, that stuff, if you're navigating that alone without going, because I remember being on la in labour on Oshin and the girl across from me, I, I'm still so thankful for her. She was on her second baby. And I remember her saying to me, are you okay? And I was like, I'm really scared. And she was like, you have nothing to be scared of. You're going to be great. Aww. And because she knew I was going to be okay. Like she had, so women now not getting to get that interaction and, you know, are almost subjected. And I, I, I you know, I don't use that word frequently or frivolously, but kind of almost subject, subjected even more so to the perfect notion yeah. of having your baby. Yeah. Doesn't exist. And I, it 100% does not exist in a pandemic. So you are doing amazing. And you are doing amazing. <sighs> you are. You really are. It has been an absolutely crap year. <laughs> but there has been gorgeous moments. And, you know, I, I'm so proud of the woman that you were a year ago. I'm so proud of what you felt, of how you survived. 
of how you let yourself believe again that, you know, Sadie was going to be part of your world. Um, and of sharing that vulnerability today, because as you said, this time last year, it was all locked inside you. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm, I am really proud that you were able to let it out today because it will have an enormous benefit on anybody else that is going through it. So thank you. That's always my pleasure. And I will say to any woman listening that everybody's journey takes a different path. And I don't, I definitely don't have all the answers. But just be kind to yourself, you know, please, because I learned the hard way that you give yourself, sometimes giving yourself the hardest of times is not, it's not the route to go. You and I are going to sit one day and we're going to have a loop to leave <laughs> drink together. We'll go into some bartender and be like, can you do a cocktail, but make it full alcohol. Oh, I cannot wait for that day. Suzanne, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes for their support. Proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, Water Wipes are now 100% biodegradable, plant-based and compostable wipes. And the winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. So you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest, Suzanne.fm on Instagram. Talk to you again next week.